So let's everybody warm up, get to it. And do you guys remember where, what, how far did we get last time we did this? Because it has been a while, a good hot while since we've done Seeker. Did we get through verse 4 of chapter 2? Yes, because we ended with me asking Julian how, what verse 3 says about authorship. Oh, that's right. You did. You threw a, um, a, a tough, tough pitch at Julian to see if you could hit it. Yes. I think I just missed, right? And then I just swung in a minute. No, we ended with it. I told you to think about it. Yeah, so you've had like a month to prepare, Julian. Well, so let's say I asked I'm, you to think about it. I didn't tell you. <laughs> I'm sure you're ready now at this point. If you would be so kind as to I mean, I was, what verse I was ready means. then. I think what's happened now is there's been so much, so much time has passed. Oh, sure. Had yeah, we talked a... about it then, I would have, I would have nailed it. But now, a whole just, lot of stuff yeah. going on in between Woo. then and now. Okay, People, so, I mean, but COVID became a real thing. <laughs> yeah, COVID finally became real. <laughs> Jeez. But okay, so for okay. all the listeners, though, we this is Hebrews chapter two we're talking about, and uh, yeah. Well, well, hang on, hold on. Can mm. we can we do like an actual intro and start and beginning? <laughs> oh sure, yeah. Hi. <laughs> Maybe we should because I was like three seconds away from playing Limp Biscuit rolling in the background, so I'm. And I was hang three on. seconds, and I was four Whoa. seconds away from leaving. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. I'm not even, I would have messed up the whole episode. Okay. Formal, okay, formal, formal start. Um, hi, my name's Jesse. I'm Julian. Hi, I'm Daniel. Okay. We are now in Hebrews chapter 2, and uh, Julian's going to get a curveball from Daniel regarding verse 3. Daniel, hit it. What is it that Hebrews 2 and verse 3 says about authorship? Does that tell us anything Give us a little hint as to who the author of Hebrews might not be. Well, let's read it out loud for everybody. So yeah. it says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. Okay, so that's verse 3. Right. Declared at first by the Lord, and attested to us by those who heard. So, so someone who physically heard? Is that what you're saying? Somebody who heard from who? From the those Lord. who it was declared to by the Lord. How did mm. Paul learn the gospel? From the Lord. Right. Directly. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. By those who heard, meaning those who heard the Lord directly, the apostles who walked with him, or by Paul. Um, and so this is somebody, I think this is telling us that the Hebrew writer is somebody who was taught by one of those people. Hence, not Paul. Mm. See what I'm saying? Okay. Eh. Couldn't could it still kind of be anybody? So, I mean, it was declared at first by the Lord. You know, in the beginning was the Word, right? Like, so pretty much all everything declared by the Lord like everyone fits in that category, right? Like, well, no, 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 because the message he's talking about in verse two is the message in the later days delivered by the Son, right? The earlier message was in in different times and different ways God spoke to His people, 
but in the later days we have received the message from his son. That's what he's talking about. Let me back up and just read it because okay. I want people to follow along. Okay. Yeah. Not that it's actually like a critical debate here. It's so. not relevant at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a rabbit hole. And we This is such a big rabbit we hole. We fall into holes. Okay. So I'm just gonna read chapter two, one through four, because it kind of is one block, okay? So okay. verse one. Therefore we must pay close much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God was also well, sorry, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Right. Okay, there's the full context. So the mm. therefore comes from chapter 1 when he's talking about how Jesus is, is higher and better than the angels, right? And he says the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. That's the old law, mm-hmm. right? That's the law of Moses, which, you know, was delivered by angels on on Mount Sinai, right? They brought all the particulars of the law after the Ten Commandments. That that may just be a Hebrew commentary. I don't remember if that's actually in Deuteronomy <laughs> or Exodus or something. Wow. By the way, I don't I don't think that's actually in the Old Testament. I do think that right. Is. I think that I think we, that's we like rabbin, rabbinical commentary. Right. But he says, if that message was reliable, if the old law was reliable, and every sin and disobedience was punished. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation, the salvation under the new covenant brought by Christ and declared through the Son? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. And then, you know, this is, verse 4 is a reference to Acts, where Peter and John and Paul would go around, and, and, and Philip and those others, would go around performing different miracles and healings and signs and wonders um, as they were building the church in Acts. Right, that's what he's talking about here. I So, look, I'm sure there are volumes about why oh, yeah. people don't believe Paul is the guy. And I really <laughs> don't... I'm ill-prepared to, uh, to say that he's not or he is. But based on... On this particular argument, I, I'm going to steal from Jesse just a little bit because I think it's still possible that he could be the guy and fit into this. Um, and here's how. Here's how I think he still could be. Um, we, all three of us agreed, like you said, or maybe I said, I don't remember who said, that he got his at least early instruction we believe from the Lord one-on-one time. It's not that he wasn't with Barnabas first, but, or Barnabas and get some, but he got it from the Lord. But this yeah, part, Acts chapter nine, mm-hmm, but this part, how should we escape? If we neglect, uh, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord true and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Well, I think he could, you could also argue that confirmation of the gospel came to him through Ananias in Acts chapter 9. 
because oh, in Acts chapter Ananias. nine, yeah, Acts chapter nine, you know, the Lord tells Ananias, "You go talk to Saul," and nine seventeen, Acts nine seventeen, and Ananias went his way and entering the house and laying his hands on him, laying his hands on him, he said, "Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me." That you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's learning about Holy Spirit, and he's also um, learning about laying on of hands. So he is having some understanding of what is involved in the gospel. Now, I, I'm not saying he's having the full sermon here. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So he is getting he's so he this something is being attested to him from Ananias. You, you could at least say that. And and so the, in verse number four, where it says, and God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles, well, this alone is a sign and a miracle, and he was given the Holy Spirit. Touche. My only problem with that is every other letter Paul wrote. <laughs> What do you mean? Paul is very well Paul is very careful to assert his apostolic authority in every other letter right Paul an apostle of God and he does that for a very specific reason part of his apostolic authority is teaching and shepherding the church and so he needed to assert that authority to make his letters carry the weight the fact that the idea that Paul would write this this language that doesn't that it, it kind of deflects a little bit that it, it, it do you see what i'm saying when i mean deflect it kind of it, it it takes paul a step back from from his his apostolic standard mm -hmm. to me doesn't mesh anyways i think we shouldn't wait, go down wait, rabbit holes I, for I, have, I have what but look, well this is interesting i've never i've never ever even really even jumped into the ship i don't even think i've read anything about this <laughs> this particular boat we're on but before we jump out of the water i would say to that i could see him doing that intentionally because the vast majority of everything that we've read is casting down everyone's authority everyone's like anything to exalt jesus like, that's the whole point of the book so far, is that no one in any way is on Jesus's level. I could see sure. him doing that just because of that. Really? Now, I, Interesting. Again, yeah. Now, I'm sure there are 7,000 7, at least books more that that would prove me wrong. Everyone listening <laughs> is like, oh, oh, it's obvious Paul didn't write it. But I'm just saying, based on that, I, I don't know. I, okay. I don't know who wrote Fair it. Fair enough. But, but those are oh, bad arguments. Either. Well, the email is rebuke Julian if you have strong <laughs> feelings either way. Now I'm going to get a nine-page art. It's like, have you never read the scrolls of Nanolanope? Nanolanope. Oh, sorry. It was rebukejulian at gmail.com, just to be real clear. Let's make sure to get that clear. Yeah. Did you yeah. say hotmail? Did you say no, AOL? no. <laughs> at AOL.com. Yeah. Brought to you by AOL. <laughs> Nice. Oh man. Oh. Hey, but 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 how about this? Even on back on verse number three, because it is really powerful. Like this section, you yeah. know, if it were Barnabas, if it were, who are the other options? Good options out there. Apollos is a good option. Apollos. Mary. Okay. 
Mary's not a great option. I'm just kidding. Probably wasn't. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, Aquila of Priscilla and Aquila. Well, Priscilla mm-hmm. is an option that I've heard too, but Aquila is a good option as well. Okay. Um, but still powerful in verse number three. Like, how should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation as you just pointed out? which spoken by the Lord, confirmed to us by those who heard him, like a a double helping, there's more uh, confirmation in the Bible about these words, but Jesus speaks it, confirmed by people who are putting their life on the lines to to actually say that these things were true, to confirm it, absolutely. And then God bearing witness both with signs, wonders, various miracles, gifts, and the Holy Spirit according to his own will. This is... So much was done again to prove that Jesus is who He says He is, yeah. or or uh, let me, let me go back that this text is who Jesus says He is, right? Because so far we've heard God exalting Jesus, we've heard Jesus as comparison to the angels, but by the words of God, um, and by comparison to everyone else, He stands alone, right? And now confirmed by others with signs and wonders. Um, others who took great risk in, in even validating who Jesus was, right, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's pretty powerful. Like, all in all, so far, it, you would just have to go to the reader and go, why are you even arguing with this? Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. And before we move on, we, it was mentioned before, but I did want to just kind of point out that this is the first of the the warnings of Hebrews, the five warnings of Hebrews, this warning against drifting and neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to be, we have to be careful with the message and with our salvation. Um, the Hebrew writer is really clear throughout that drift and neglect and, and it, these are real dangers to us that we face as we, um, you know, walk according to the Spirit as we live lives of faith. That, that you know, we can get, we can get bogged down. We can get our 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 attention can can waver, and we can lose focus and lose sight on on what's really important. And so, the warnings of Hebrews are are, are important to pay attention to. What would you guys say to uh, someone who asked the question? Um, can you lose your salvation then? Because it is a pretty common question. You can go on YouTube and find a gazillion videos yeah. and people have oh, yeah. an opinion. And it's interesting. The overwhelming opinion is not possible. In fact, yeah. I, I would quote someone whose initials are V, V, B. Um, and, and he said very clearly, I, I remember his quote. He said, if you could lose it, you would. Right. And he said, that's why you can't. I think, I mean, it's kind of half true. Like if, if, if we could lose that, we would, but, um, but the, we would part is taken care of because Jesus is our, um, uh, attorney, right? He like, he's our advocate. Um, he's, he's the one he's, he's able to go to our defense or, um, to be able to at least, um, give us a chance right like he's he knows exactly what we've been through so we have an advocate advocate with the father through him and um, because he died for us and bears our sins like he actually took that 
respons- like took that responsibility on himself. So now that gives us a chance to um, basically put it on him. Like he bore he bore the blood. He bore our sins. So, um, but I mean, the top of verse in chapter two says you have to pay closer attention to what you've heard, lest you drift away from it. You know, and 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 you can neglect a great salvation. So. I mean, there's a, a lot of other verses that I'm sure we could start a list that indicate like there's a consequence to not being engaged or to to falling away essentially um and so otherwise why would there be so many verses that say these things if you know if I don't know yeah I would di- actually disagree with that statement that quote Julian um mm-hmm. I think first John 1 7 disagrees with that um John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light is an ongoing process. It doesn't mean we never sin. It doesn't mean we never stumble. It means we are we are trying our we are trying to walk according to his will. We are trying to walk as Jesus does. And if we're doing that, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Um, I don't think we, if we could lose it, we would, because grace is bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, that's, I, that's, that's what I was saying. Sorry, Julian. But no, I mean, I was, you, you know, that's the thing is like, because of grace, it's not true. But if, 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 if Jesus wasn't there, grace wouldn't be there. Right. So if we could lose it, on our own, it would be lost. But because of Jesus, all those things are possible. Grace, you know, and, and his uh, ability to help help us bridge that gap between our sins and being right with the Father. Well, we could never gain it on our own. Yeah. Right? Yeah, agreed. I think that I, a statement, ahead. well, a statement like, if you could lose it, you would almost makes me think of more of like a tightrope Christianity approach. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, right? Um, I balance that also with what the person who said, if you could lose it, you would lose it. I balance that against also where they were coming from, which is once you're saved, you're always saved, forever saved. You could you could do anything. And, and they would they would reference like, you know, was it Romans eight? You know what? What will separate you from the love of Christ? And they'd say absolutely nothing. You know, because of His overwhelming love, nothing will separate you from that. And that gets borderline into universalism. However, <laughs> there are all the passage you gave, Daniel. I, I think is fantastic, right? Because that still puts, it puts onus on our hearts, as uh, our intention not even necessarily as the great execution. And I think that's what that way of thinking kind of where it puts you, you have to be perfect. But that's the point of what we're reading. That's the the separation from the law. I can't be perfect outside of Jesus, but I can be, I can be stellar in my decision to follow him. It's not even stellar, it's stellar because of his grace, but I can I can choose to submit to him. It doesn't mean I'll be perfect, but because of his blood, I am. And therefore, um, can I lose my salvation? I, I can choose not to have it. 
he's not going to paste it on me and force it on me because then it, it would be back to what I said a minute ago. It would almost be universalism, no matter what yeah. that thought would win. And that's not your own, that may not be your own personal decision. Does that make sense? And as far as what will separate us from the love of Christ, the, an- the only answer is us. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Right. We're the ones who can separate ourselves. You have fallen from grace, Paul says in um, Galatians mm-hmm. chapter 4 mm-hmm. or 5. You have fallen yeah. from grace, you who rely on the law. Mm-hmm. You have severed yourself from Christ, he says. Um, we can do that. We absolutely can do that. Um, we have, we continue to have that choice. Um, even after we come to Christ and repent and and obey the gospel, we always have the choice of of handing it back. Um, I think that, that exists throughout, but it's not. I don't think part of it is I don't. I'm not entirely sure heaven is the point. Um. And so when we talk about our salvation that way, it seems to me to be kind of missing uh, the point just a little bit. Um, Because we're supposed to to be conformed to the image of the Son. That's Romans chapter 8. We're supposed to be transformed in the renewing of our minds. We're supposed to be more and more like what we were created to be in Genesis 1 and 2, which is the image and likeness of God, which is exactly what Jesus was. He was the fullness of God. He was the exact imprint of his nature, Hebrews chapter 1. He showed us what it means to be like we were in the garden. And I think that's the point, because that way, the the closer we get to that, the more kingdom influence we have, and the more we get closer to the real point, I think, which is the glorification of God's name, right? I think that's the point throughout Scripture that God had in mind, is that his name would be glorified among his creation. And so, um, I, th- I think we kind of lose the plot a little tiny bit when we start thinking about heaven as the end goal. Being more like Christ is the end goal here and now, today, as we live and move and have our being in him. It's, it's, it's being, it's being uh, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, is it 3 or 5, that as we look on him with unveiled face, we are transformed from glory to glory. It's what James was talking about, looking into the word like a man looking in the mirror and seeing his true self. His true self is what we were created to be. And so when we remember that, when we do the word, we carry that out into the world and we start to see who we really are in God's eyes, which is the image and likeness of God that we were created to be, to represent him in the world in creation talk about a rabbit hole <laughs> uh well no i mean i i i think the the parts that we're talking about that relate back to kind of a separation from law separation from um well this is getting into yeah maybe a little james a little uh separation from Uh, works that define who we are I mean here he's very clear like it's 
it, our salvation then is not going to be based on your performance in a work. Um, it, right. It's, it's going to be based on his work that he has done through obedience. And then, Absolutely. Then, then in our, the, what we do is the way to time with back with what you said, the way that we are conformed into the image of his dear son, we pattern that obedient lifestyle. Um, the difference is he's perfect. We're not. But that's where we come in contact with his blood through obedience, right? Mm -hmm. Grace, faith, coupled, and then boom, we, we are walking in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. Absolutely. We're a new creature, a new, the old has been put away. Behold, the new has come. Yeah. I thought that was where Jesse was going to say verse number five. I actually was thinking it. <laughs> I was like, do I say it now? Do I say it now? Do it. Yeah. So verse five, good point. <laughs> We're starting to connect well together. Yeah. I think we should just keep on pushing forward. So um, I'm just going to read section um, five through eight. Uh, no, through nine. And then we can uh, see what's there. So it says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of his death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everybody. And we talked about, didn't we talk before about this not seeing everything in subjection to him? I feel like this is familiar. Maybe we did. I think we did at some point. Sure that did. does ring a bell. Are we repeating and ourselves? I love verse... What's that? Are we repeating ourselves? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, re remember, we had to repeat an episode. Oh, yeah, we lost, we lost one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it is funny, though. We've done a... We've, we've went through the content of another episode. We finally said the same thing. There's no telling what we said last time. But it wasn't this. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Who even knows? <laughs> <laughs> but Daniel, you had Can a, I just say you, you had a good point on this last time. I do remember that. Do you remember? No. On so you're not everything point. yet in subjection? Yeah. I know we oh, went I'm back sure it was a, I'm sure it was brilliant. <laughs> Julian, why didn't spare spare him? <laughs> cue, cue the tape. Rewind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what he said. Oh, you don't. I thought you no. were. I thought you remembered. I don't either. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm I, sure I, it was amazing. Okay. Well, what what do we think it is? What does this mean? So at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Oh, it's because we still live in a fallen world. We still live in a world where where sin exists and where death exists and where. Um, you know, where bad things happen to good people. That's still the world we live in. Because remember Romans chapter 8 talks about how all creation is groaning, waiting for its redemption. So eventually there will be a time where creation itself 
is redeemed from sin and death and decay. And, but that time has not yet come, right? That's, that's end of revelation stuff that's yet to happen. So everything is subject to Christ, right? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. There's nothing, he's been all, uh, Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He is over all. But since creation has not yet been redeemed, um, the judgment, the final judgment hasn't come on everything yet. And so because of that, we don't yet see everything in subjection to him. He is king, but we still live in this fallen, broken world. Was that it? You know, what I, think I, remember, it, I think it was. Well, it was even better because last time you 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 had a position, and and I was like, I, I'm that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking this, and I was basing it on I remember Matthew twenty eight. You just put them both together. And they made way more sense. So yes, that was even better. That was way better. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> you, you, you nailed it and plus some. You've done it. Yeah. It. You know what? That's a really powerful point, though, uh, because for maybe for the people even reading this at this time, or or maybe as you would say, if you said this was a sermon and they were saying this. Mm-hmm. This is a very hopeful sort of passage, right? This is like, I mean, not that the whole thing isn't, um, but if, I don't know, if I were a persecuted person to hear, you know, listen, everything has been put under subjection to him. And maybe they've heard about his words like Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, all power and all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, right? And they've heard about this and, and to see it here. Like, there's so much more than what you could see at present that it has been given to him. He is the son, and everything's been handed to him. It's under his under his his power and his authority. Um, but just wait. You know, just wait. Like, you may look around right now and not think that that is so. And I, I kind of I have to remember that sort of thing in day-to-day life, too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because you could... There are days where it seems like, man, everything's just kind of going crazy out there. Like, no one ever heard that, that we should like each other and care about each other. Like, no one's ever heard those words. And some days you feel like that. Um, and then you, you see these words, man, all power and all authority, it's still, it's up to him. We may not be able to see it now. It may be a little confusing, but that's where our, our faith is in him. And we just have to lean in on that, man, and pray about it and, and remember that all of this is still his. And, and at the end of time, he's going to roll it up like a rug, man. And it's it's done. But hmm. it's all still under his, his power. That's a super good point. I mean, you put it in context really well of, like, his power. And it's just beautiful, especially when you look at it and contrast it to what Jesus himself tells us then like in Matthew eleven twenty eight, when he says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest mm-hmm. take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls my yoke is easy and my burden is light this is the guy who's in control of everything everything's in subjection to him and he's saying look 
I, I also got you, but like we're sharing the yoke here. We're in this together. Like, you know, you've, you've got a pretty strong ally here. I mean, like unimaginably strong ally. You've got the ally, you know, the alpha and omega ally. Yeah. And, um, man, I, I feel like if we really appreciated that, like, and understood that that's who we have, like here with us right now, with every single one of us, literally he is here with us in a way. Right. And how could we, how could we fail? How could we fall short? Like with him right here saying this, knowing that he has the power to do everything he's ever promised. Um, you know, it's, it just is a test of our faith to show that why, you know, whenever we sin, whenever we fall short, we forget that Jesus is that powerful and that he's promised us these things. Or worse, we haven't forgotten. We just said we don't care today, you know, and we choose to sin. And I mean, that's what sinning really is, is when you think about it, I'm putting my desires ahead of what Jesus who wants to care for me, who wants to lift me up when I'm weary and burdened. I want to put my desires in front of him who all he wants to do is care for me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and when we think about, to me, this, I keep thinking about second Corinthians 12, right? When Paul had the thorn in the flesh and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed, take this away from me. And the answer that he finally got was no, I'm not going to do that, Paul, because my strength, Jesus says, is made perfect in weakness. And, um, and then Paul goes on and rejoices in that, that, that he can be weak so that, so that Christ can be strong through him. And when we, when we think about it in terms of this passage, it's the strength of the ruler of everything that is made perfect in our weakness. And he was crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. Um, that's, the part, that's the part that everybody in the Gospels struggled with. And everybody who came to Jesus struggled with. That part right there, that his exaltation was on the cross, that his glorification was the shroud in the tomb, um, and that, that he was crowned with glory and honor because of that, because of the things he learned through obedience to the cross. And it's just, it's, it's so humbling to think that the one who has authority over everything did that for us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. <laughs> and Julian, I do think it's a sermon because of verse 6. That it's such a preacher move. It's been written down somewhere. I can't remember the book, chapter, and verse, but it's Psalm 8. Here we go. <laughs> That's such a preacher move. I love it. You can remember someone once said. Hmm. Somebody once said. <laughs> Can't remember where it was. What is that a reference to? I'm trying to look up the footnote on it. It's Psalm 8. Oh, it is Psalm 8? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you just made that up off the top of your head. But no, nope, it's Psalm it 8. <laughs> well played. Nice. Cool. Come on, Barnabas, get it together. 
have more proof that it's Barnabas. He wasn't he wasn't swift with the scriptures. He he's like me. I'm terrible at book chapter and verse. It's in there. Well, I feel like we should keep um the the train of thought going because yeah. like verse ten is still like moving along. Um, if it's okay with you guys to keep moving forward a little bit more mm-hmm. here. So uh, verse ten says, um well, let me just finish off here. So it says, so that by grace of God, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everybody. F- verse 10, for it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, that's powerful, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Um, I'm just going to read through the rest of the chapter. Verse 14, since therefore the children can uh, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who, f- through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he has to be ma- had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Nice. That's some powerful stuff in there. I want to go back to verse 12 because I didn't, I don't think I realized this. And this is absolutely fascinating to me because he's talking about, um, the found making the founder of our salvation perfect through suffering right the suffering of the cross and the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source this is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers and then he quotes psalm 22 and i didn't realize that was psalm 22 psalm 22 is the song of david that jesus quoted on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me and it goes on, and it's this, it's it's this terrible, uh, tragic account. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. This is that psalm. My heart is melted like wax; it is melted within my breast, and the the bulls and the dogs and the lions surround me. Um, and then he goes on. He says, "I will tell of your name to my brothers," and the Hebrew writer using that passage to pull us back into the suffering Christ endured and the grace of God that was poured out at the cross is such a powerful connection to uh, the suffering and the exaltation of Jesus. It's really incredible. Hmm. Yeah, that's, it's beautiful the way it ties back together. I mean, especially, you know, in the context of being made perfect through suffering and you know the suffering of, of the cross specifically here that's awesome it's a little intimidating at the end of verse number 11 that he's like hmm. um for this reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren 
Um, I, I'm, yeah, well, I'm slightly uncomfortable with that, but at any rate, uh, <laughs> I think it's, no, it, there's not a time I've, that I've read that, that I don't go, mm-hmm, yeah, I don't know about that. Jesus. Uh, but I'll, Hey, I'll take it. Right. I will take it. But I totally agree with the tie in. It's, it's, but, uh, yeah. I think it just brings back totally very humbling. Um, you know, and I think Romans brings it back. Man, how many times are we going to reference Romans 8 tonight? Um, but I'm not going to do it this time. But Romans brings it back because it reminds us of the condition that we were in, you know, prior to ever having laid eyes, quote unquote, on Jesus, right? That we were enemies of the cross, that we were weak. Um, and and knowing that we were weak and we were enemies, this is what he was willing to do. He's like, I'm gonna tie everything in together. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make this situation where I'm gonna I'm gonna bring sons to glory and I'm gonna be the captain of the suffering to create this 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 hub of salvation so that that so that they can be saved. And then I won't be ashamed to call them brothers. We can bring it all together for those who were enemies of the cross and for those who were weak and helpless. Right? I'm gonna do all that. Like that? That kind of blows you away. Mm-hmm. And back to your point earlier, Jesse, we're saying, and this is the one with all the power and all the authority. Right. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because verse 11, you said, Julian, um, I, I don't know if you said in, it was intimidating specifically, but kind of that was the impression I used, Scott, was, you know, it is... Um, you know, makes you feel uncomfortable because, you know, he's not ashamed to call them brothers, but yet we know, we know of our weaknesses, we know of our sins, right? So I think we're ashamed. So we would imagine that Jesus would be ashamed of us, but that's the position of power that he's in. You know, he's, he's not ashamed to call us brothers. It doesn't mean he's not ashamed, I guess, like, this isn't talking about our sins specifically. This is just talking about, um, we are the called and, and, and he's not a, a ashamed to admit that we are the called, like we are the brothers. Um, that's the relationship. That's the promise that's been made all along. I guess is if you think about like if you have kids or something like that. I mean, you're always gonna be proud to to call them your children. I'm sure that there's mistakes that they're gonna make all along the way. Um, but I, I think that that connection is still there and so much so in the case of Jesus Christ, because he's, he's the perfect, you know, the perfect, he's the father, um, and we're, we're his bride. I mean, it's just like this layer of connection that I, I feel it, we just don't get it. Like we, we're, as humans, I don't think we can understand how someone could love us, but Jesus did and he proved it and he says it over and over. And so if we, have, if we have faith, we will believe it and we will take it to heart and we won't beat ourselves up over things all the time. I think there's a lot to be said for the power of just believing Jesus. And, and what does that mean when you just believe what he says and don't like try and be like, oh yeah, not me though, you know. Um, we take away his power when we, when we minimize what he says in the scripture, which is dangerous. What if we just accept it? <laughs> What if we accept it? That's the the power of the gospel. Yeah, that's the power. 
And that's hard to do. I mean, it's easy to say, but it is hard to do. Um, but man, I tell you, I think if we all try to accept, be more accepting in our lives, I, I don't know, I feel like we'd have a closer relationship to God and we'd be more thankful, maybe more like David where we're constantly shouting for joy and giving thanks for the wonderful mercies that he's given to us. Is it a wrap? <laughs> I think it might be a wrap. I mean, there's a lot between verse 14 and 18, but we could save that for next week. Yeah, maybe for next week I'll, I'll ask Daniel. Daniel, what does verse number 14 tell you about the authorship of, of the book? Mm-hmm. Good um, one. Mm-hmm. Fair question. It is a tricky maneuver on my part. <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, let's leave it there then for this week. Uh, a little bit to stew on this week. We went down a few rabbit holes along the way, so hopefully you stuck with us. Uh, but we'll see you next time. See ya.